0: All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show is one I've been waiting for for a long, long time. We are talking about Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Of course, the biopic of Weird Al Yankovic. Joining me is Josh Bell from Awesome Movie Year. Josh and I have actually gone to a couple of Weird Al concerts together, and uh, so we've been... Planning on doing this one for a while now, so we have a great conversation coming up. Uh, We get into everything that works in this movie, everything that doesn't work, and uh, talk about a lot of other great music biopic parodies along the way. So, uh, lots to talk about. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Also, you could join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And we'd love to have you over there. We have a lot of great conversations about everything going on in the world of movies. So uh, join up, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. So, uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. So let's just jump in and get to our conversation about Weird, the Al Yankovic story. <music> All right, Josh Bell is back with us and we are going to talk about Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Josh, how's it going? It's going weirdly, maybe? Yes, I'm I'm happy to hear that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's how it should be going for us. Uh, Absolutely. I'm excited about this one. I'm very excited. We've, we've, Planned on, you know, whenever this movie actually became a real thing that we were going to do this one. You and I have gone for people listening at home, we've gone to weird out concerts together. And uh you were the only choice for this, Josh.
1: Well, thank you. I feel like, however, the the lengthy anticipation of this movie was a mistake because there was no (laughs) way it would live up to all of that.
0: Fair. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, I and I I haven't posted my letterbox review yet, but um, I will say I'm so glad that it's not bad. You know what I mean? It sure. could have easily been
1: bad, and it's not. It's it's good, you know? Yeah, it's fine. You know, yeah. I think, like you said, we're we're big Weird Al fans. I've been listening to Weird Al longer than almost any other musical artist that I still enjoy listening to. Yeah. And so it, it is a lot to live up to, and it, it certainly could have been a disaster and, and it's not, it's fun, but I think there, I think he has the capacity to make it better than it is. And I think yes. that's, what's kind of disappointing. Yeah. I, and I, I feel like we'll get
0: into that as we're talking puzzle pieces. We'll probably talk some that do, you know, parodies of music biopics better than this. Um, but at the same time, at least I laughed a bunch and it, it's still weird out. I'm glad that he got to be a part of the making of his own you know, biopic parody. And like it, it it's what you want for him. and And I'm sure he had a blast making it. And it seems like everybody else, including Daniel Radcliffe uh, as playing him, all just had such a great time making this that I, I'm sure that there's uh, a lot of goodwill there. And plus his new song, Now You Know, I thought was pretty great over
1: the end Yeah, that. that maybe was my favorite part of the movie, honestly. Nice. But um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't see how or why anyone else would have made this movie without him unless he died. Right. So <laughs> um, I, I, I never would have anticipated that. But yeah, it's great that he's able to do this. And the goodwill for Weird Al that exists right now among all the people involved in this movie but just the response and all the press coverage that he gets and everything it's just so nice to see him acknowledged in such a positive way he's such a positive person so yeah. i'm i'm all for that i wish Absolutely. i had laughed harder at this movie <laughs> fair enough let's start getting into some puzzle pieces what do you have for your first one well i'm sure we're going to overlap a bunch but so uh, i'll just start with some some obvious stuff and mm-hmm. go with uhf Weird Al's previous film that he that one that he starred in he has this kind of small role here as one of the record executives but he was the main star of course of UHF as well as the writer or or co-writer as he is here and as a story this UHF is very different but the sensibility because it's Weird Al of course is the same the sort of the silliness of it I think that's the way to describe his humor it's it's not satire per se, even though it's making fun of things. It's it's mm-hmm. not social commentary so much as just like, what if this thing that is serious was goofy? I right. think. It's and weird. That's kind of, right. It's it was weird. weird. And yes. so that's kind of what's going on here. And especially as this movie gets weirder and when I really was like, I wish they had just gone full on surreal nonsense with this movie. But the whole Pablo Escobar sequence in this mm-hmm. film where Weird Al, as played by Daniel Radcliffe, has to go to the jungles of South America to fight Pablo Escobar. Um, was, but, was. By the way, before you say what you're going to
0: say, I just the, the idea of somebody listening to this episode before having watched the movie and hearing <laughs> you just say that, I just, that that's amazing.
1: Right, and I <laughs> wish that there was more of that because most of the stuff that you would describe as happening in this movie is what you would expect of like yeah. a parody of a music biopic. But that is full on crazy. And that especially reminded me most of UHF, the fantasy sequence in UHF where Weird Al's character, George Newman, imagines himself as Rambo. And there's at least one shot of Daniel Radcliffe Weird Al in this movie, like firing a machine gun. That's an exact quote of the shot of Weird Al as Rambo firing a machine gun in UHF. So that whole sequence especially reminded me of UHF and, of course, also Daniel Radcliffe in real life in this movie as ripped as the fake muscles that Weird Al wears in UHF. (laughs)
0: yeah that that's amazing like who would have thought but yeah. uh yeah absolutely uh yeah uhf is a great one to, to kick it off and and you know speaking of uhf i i hope you know he's talked in interviews you know leading up to this movie weird uh that you know he he hopes to eventually do another feature film at some point and i i hope he gets to i i think it would be a lot of fun and i i think it makes sense to first get the biopic the quote unquote biopic out of the way first but uh But yeah, I hope he gets to do another movie at some point where he just gets to like fully go wild and just
1: kind of just make
0: up whatever goofy stuff he could come up with.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Maybe this was the way that he could make a movie because there was the sketch, of course, that it was based on that was popular and there's a built-in interest in this. But yeah, Yeah. I I agree. I'd love to rather see just something completely off the wall. Maybe UHF2 or something like that. There's there's a built-in property that he could capitalize on, but it would afford him the chance to just go crazy with stuff. Now is the time. Just make it a Tubi movie, right? Yeah, why not? (laughs) He's going to just do a tour of all those free uh, (laughs) streaming services. (laughs) Well, I'll go with the other big obvious
0: one, I feel like, and that is Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, which... Already parodied every single music biopic cliche, making it both a puzzle piece, I feel like, and also an obstacle for this movie where it's like, where do you go from there? If you're trying to parody all of the familiar beats of these kinds of movies, Um, even down to the title, calling it, you know, a weird Al story with the Dewey Cox story subtitle. I mean, everything about it just uh, goes right back to what Walk Hard already did and perfected in a way. And I do think it's the perfect setup, though, um, for Weird Al to take a parody of the biopic and just throw the facts out the window, basically. And, you know, why not? It's Weird Al. Like, it goes perfectly with his whole shtick. And like we were talking about, you know, the things that make him weird. But uh,
1: Walk Hard did it and did
0: it really great.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the one that everyone is going to think of, even though that is a movie that was a. A failure at the time yeah. that it came Strangely. out, but it yeah. it has a huge cult following. I remember not liking it actually, but I seem to now be the only one because people love that movie.
0: Yeah, I I remember I was a little disappointed like opening weekend when it came out, and I rewatched it a few years ago, and I feel like I was wrong. Like it really like lived up second time around. I, I'd be curious to hear what you think if you ever revisit it.
1: Yeah, and I mean the one thing, of course, that's different is that Walk Hard is completely fictional whereas with this at least he's sort of taking certain true facts and real instances or whatever and and twisting them and and using them as a jumping off point yeah all of you know his real songs and and aspects of his real upbringing and things that happened in his career so in that sense it's slightly different but yeah i i can't imagine that they weren't thinking that as they were making this and probably uh, at every turn as the, I could imagine them writing this movie and writing certain things and then having to sort of step back and say, wait a minute, did Walk <laughs> Hard do this? Did they do that first? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what do you got for your next piece? Well, I guess I don't know if we should just keep talking about parody music biopics or whatever, but I mean, the another titan of those, of course, is this is Spinal Tap, sure. the uh, Rob Reiner film. Rob Reiner, a uh, favorite uh, director of uh, Awesome Movie Year. Yes. But I mean, and that's a movie that came out early in Weird Al's career that I'm sure he appreciated at the time that it came out and probably influenced him in parodying the kind of music that Spinal Tap, you know, that's a very specific parody of like Arena Rock. Although much like Walk Hard, it does... Take detours into other genres of music as the 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 fictional band has this long career doing different types of things. Um, so I I would have to think, yeah, that 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 Weird Al's music even was influenced by Spinal Tap, and Spinal Tap was such a big deal that much like with Walk Hard here, I could imagine Weird Al writing songs thinking like, well, did Spinal Tap do this? Because of course, not only did they put out a movie. But the fictional band put out like multiple albums. Yeah, um, sure. So uh, I, I remember being in one, you know, they have a joke about the Columbia Record Club or Columbia House Record Club in this in this movie. And I remember being a member of, of one of those when I was a kid and it being it's like the genre that you pick, you know, they give you the selection of the month. And I was, it was heavy metal for me when I was a kid and I was not familiar with Spinal Tap. And one month the selection was like Spinal Tap's new album. And I was like, oh, "Oh, cool. Who is this Spinal Tap band? So, I mean, they were, they were out there doing it at the same time as Weird Al was. So, um, you know, of course this is not a mockumentary, which I'm sure is a format that, that they would have considered for this film. But, um, you know, obviously that's gotta be a huge influence.
0: One thing that I feel like would have uh would have been like a really great addition to this movie is uh one new original parody song of the time like back during that time hmm. you know and it's not like he hasn't done that before I f- I feel like he's gone back a couple of times and done parodies of older songs on albums and it yeah. feels like it would have fit in really well just so you're getting a brand new song in the making, you know, and you you get that same kind of uh, you know, seeing him come up with the lyrics on the spot kind of thing. And uh I don't know, that would have been cool. And, you know, to sort of spinal tap, I mean the songs are actually great. So
1: <laughs> Right. I mean that's a that's a big thing. And of course, I mean I think we both feel like weird owl songs are great. In fact, I was almost disappointed again, because I love Weird Al's original songs. And there's a whole bit in this movie where Weird Al, the character decides that he's no longer going to write parodies and he's only going to write original songs. And I was like, oh, cool. They're going to showcase one of Weird Al's originals. But of course, that's not what they do. It's a whole bit about how he wrote Eat It as an original before Beat It, which is funny. But um, I was, again, almost disappointed that they didn't have one of Weird Al's originals. So yeah, he definitely does do that. I think he has his own like personal taste for what music he liked maybe growing up or whatever. I know like when he did the the saga begins, right? The Star Wars episode sure. one, which yeah. is a parody of American Pie from, you know, way, 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 way earlier, or um the Jurassic Park song that's a yeah, parody MacArthur of MacArthur Park. Park. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I'm sure yeah. there's other so, yeah, he's examples. done it
0: before. So yeah. he,
1: he totally could have done something like that. And
0: and it would have fit so well in the movie in making up things that happened at the time. So yeah right but you know what to that point actually of the uh, watching him come up with these songs and come up with the parody lyrics in the moment um, I'll step away from music biopic parodies for a second go to an actual biopic and that's Bohemian Rhapsody. Where you get those like big there's no way this happens, aha <laughs> moments where right. uh, you know, you're, you're like in that moment of like the discovery of this new like melody or lyric or something like that. And that was such a big part of uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody movie and part of why it's just so ridiculous um, and why people, make fun of that movie all the time even though most regular people love it um it's really more of like a film twitter or critic type thing to make fun of it but you know you, you get a lot of that here though um you know r- right down to the first one uh, yeah sure Go ahead and open up that package of my Bologna, right? <laughs> you know, like sure. That's how that line came about. Yeah,
1: right? and that's in so many like <laughs> biopics, and not just even music ones. I this wasn't a puzzle piece I thought of, but I one of the most ridiculous ones is uh, the one about. How Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol, The Man Who Invented Christmas, and like everything in that movie is he's just walking around and encountering some guy named Scrooge and, you know, all the line, the famous lines from it and everything. It's so ridiculous. It's like there's no way this is how this really worked. I just don't know why that is, uh,
0: or no, it it seems to work for like a lot of people like, oh, wow, that's how that worked out. Like, it's amazing. But you know, the, you get, you get, uh, people like us and we're like, no,
1: no way. Right. Yeah. That was another one that was, I mean, it's not Bohemian Rhapsody level popular, but it was successful and people seem to like it. And it's like, what is going on with this thing? No, (laughs) wrong. Well, what do you got for your next piece? Well, I don't know if I should keep on with the uh, the biopic, musical biopic parodies or not, because I have a couple more. But... We could
0: bounce around or you could do them right now. It's, it's fine either way. I'm going to be bouncing around a bunch. Actually All right. Well, I'll lip. bounce
1: around. I'll actually talk about, uh, to go with Bohemian Rhapsody, a real music biopic, but one that sort of twists the format. And that is uh, I'm Not There. The biopic of Bob Dylan by Mm -hmm. Todd Haynes, which is not a parody, but is not *Bohemian Rhapsody*. It's not a straightforward factual biopic. You know, Todd Haynes uses what? What is it? Like seven different actors, I think, to play Bob Dylan, including many of whom who do not resemble Bob Dylan in any way. uh, Much like Daniel Radcliffe does not really resemble Weird Al, although they try to style him up, and it, it comes close here. But the resemblance to Weird Al is not main point yeah. uh, of casting him. Um, but I think also that that movie is about sort of capturing the spirit of Bob Dylan and of Bob Dylan's music more so than it is telling the historical details of Bob Dylan's life. Yeah. and And in a way, this movie does that too, even though this is totally silly and over the top and fictional. It captures the vibe of like Weird Al, of the silliness and the craziness of his music. If you had never heard of Weird Al, you're not going to learn about his life from this, but you're going to learn about his sensibility and his style of humor. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of what that movie does, too.
0: Yeah. As soon as the accordion salesman played by uh, Thomas Lennon starts getting like beat up within inches of his life, I was like, this (laughs) this is this is good. This is Weird Al's sensibility.
1: (laughs) Right. Yes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) well uh I will go to um actually speaking to Thomas Lennon good transition there to a David Wayne film uh a futile and stupid gesture um his biopic of Doug Kenny, the co-founder of National Lampoon and his whole troubled life and um while that is you know a very different story and a different kind of person a much more troubled character uh you do get the the familiar biopic beats but with a lot of cameos and actors kind of doing their best to capture these huge comedic presences that are kind of impossible to... There, there's no casting that's really going to work. I mean, Joel McHale Chevy Chase. Like, how's that going to work, you know? And, like, it, there's a guy in there who's trying to play Belushi and, like, all these people that are so larger than life in the minds of anybody who grew up in the 80s or 90s that, like, it, it, no actor is going to really do it The justice that you would you know you would hope for and so here we kind of are doing the same thing there's so many people at like dr demento's party and stuff like that that uh you just can't get accurate portrayals so why not just make it almost like a costume party is kind of i think the approach they go for
1: right that's definitely what they're doing in that dr demento scene with all the and it's obviously also a parody of those kinds of scenes where like with dr demento Maybe if Dr. Demento had a party, like Gallagher would have been there, but would Salvador Dali and Andy yeah. Warhol have been there? No, obviously not. They would not have yeah. been there. Um, yeah. And I haven't seen that movie, but I will say I'm assuming that the casting of Joel McHale as Chevy Chase is also sort of a meta thing because Joel McHale hates Chevy Chase, right. having worked with him at, on Community, I would yeah. imagine. So that's that's perfect. Um <laughs> And we did
0: get Emo Phillips. Uh, he was uh, was he Dolly? He was Dolly. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, that that's uh, that's fun to get Emo Phillips back in a uh, a Weird Al property. But
1: uh, right. And I was I yeah. was actually waiting for someone to play Emo Phillips in that scene. <laughs> that and when Tiny Tim first showed up for a second, I was like, Oh, is that supposed to be Emo Phillips? But it wasn't. And I forget who was playing Tiny Tim. Yeah. But um, you just it's kind of all flies by in the credits there. And a couple, some people I recognize like Conan O'Brien in that scene yeah. as as Warhol, but some I didn't. So yeah. uh, my favorite yeah. was
0: Jack Black as Wolfman Jack. He was, uh, that, was that was a good, good character
1: for him. You know? Yeah. And he actually gets to do I mean, a lot of those others, they have like one line and they're just clearly there to hang out and support Weird Al or whatever. But he had a like a whole scene and yeah. even like an arc for his yeah. character there. So good for Jack Black. I'm he did that. Him. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, what do you got next? Um, well, I'll, I'll I'll continue with the seriousness and, and suggest a, a super serious film that is also sort of playing with the music biopic form. And that's Gus Van Sant's Last Days, which oh boy. is not in any way funny. It's no. the opposite of funny, but is also this sort of fictional speculation about a famous musician. And this is a movie about what may have transpired during the final days of Kurt Cobain's life and is very, very dark and very uh, intentionally off-putting and not like this movie. But I think also is, again, like also like I'm not there is trying to capture a certain vibe. And I mean, you wouldn't watch last days and feel like you understood Nirvana's music. I don't they definitely don't play any of it in that movie. I don't think they ever say the word Nirvana. I don't know that they even say the words Kurt Cobain in sure. that film. It's all just kind of understood. But you know, to capture the sort of despair And bleakness that Cobain felt and that he conveyed in, in some of his music. So that's a tough movie to watch. It would be a weird, a weird uh, double bill with this film, but I feel like it's on, it's on kind of a spectrum with this in the idea of like, why do you want to just be Bohemian Rhapsody and tell this sort of like Wikipedia bullet point version of a story, like find something more artistic and less, factual but maybe more true about uh, a particular person
0: yeah and like we talked about like walk hard already like kind of closed the book on the the straight up parody of the music biopic so like you know just try stuff like to to make this all like kind of come together in its own unique way so yes yeah for sure i will you know what we we already uh we already are talking about jack black there on my last piece so let's go tenacious d in the pick of destiny um you know, combining what's essentially a biopic of the formation of Tenacious D and them coming up with their songs, specifically Tribute, but uh, with basically an over-the-top action movie, Um, everything that transpires with Madonna and the Escobar character and all that stuff, like everything just getting big and huge and over-the-top and straight-up action by the time they get down there. And so, uh, yeah, you know, you you got that same kind of a... uh, over-the-top craziness as Tenacious D had in their movie
1: yeah and Tenacious D clearly are disciples of Weird Al like musically absolutely yeah
0: That, that was another reason why it was great to see Jack Black in this
1: right yeah yeah I feel like was was there there was not a cameo of Weird Al in that Tenacious D movie was there I don't think so, no. I don't, I don't think he was in okay, it. Okay, but I feel like it, 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 there could have been or should yeah. have been or whatever. I'm sure but. they've
0: crossed paths at some point. It, it, actually, Weird Al, he's directed some music videos. He should direct a Tenacious
1: D video. That would be cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, what do you got for your next piece? Well, I'll, I'll stray away from the music biopic stuff and mention Wayne's World and yes. a movie that is an expansion of a sketch, or in that case, a series of sketches. And of course, this is based on this Funny or Die sketch from, I was like 10 years ago or something, wasn't it? It's yeah. been a long time since yeah. they made that sketch, um, but it obviously stuck in people's minds for a long time. And And I think like that, like Wayne's World, this movie, you know, it has to figure out a way to make that three-minute sketch into... A full on feature film and it succeeds in certain ways and then maybe less so in other ways. But I think, you know, Wayne's World, which is sort of this. I love Wayne's World and we did a whole awesome movie year episode on it. And I think it's one of the best examples, if not the best example of doing that kind of thing successfully, expanding a sketch. Um, But it is also this sort of like shaggy dog story where a bunch of random stuff goes on and it doesn't really amount to much in the end. And it ends with this sort of like shrug. And that's part of its charm. And I think that's kind of what they're going for here, that you get to the end of the movie and you're like, oh, this is just going to stop right now, right? (laughs) Where you just kind of ran out of jokes and now it's over. And that's okay. (laughs)
0: yeah i mean wayne's world is like it really is like the best example of stretching a sketch out all the way and you know it's it's weird when talking about how like long ago this fake trailer came out which by the way aaron paul as as weird out in that but um i i had almost forgotten about it when this movie like was announced and everything. And I didn't even realize at first that it was going to be the same director who was actually getting the chance. I just thought like, oh, we had that and now we're getting a Weird Al biopic. Like it's just two separate things. And then when I realized it, I was like, that is pretty wild. Like for somebody to make like a joke little thing on the internet and it to turn into a full-fledged film. Like it doesn't happen often, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I mean, the other thing I can think of weirdly, and I guess this could be a puzzle piece in a way, is that the serious version of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air which was like a fake trailer that became. I didn't actually, even know was that like, was a thing. I don't remember this. Yeah, there was. So it was a it was a fake trailer where it was like the gritty drama version of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And it was so popular that they hired that guy to make the actual gritty, serious reboot of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that's on Peacock right now. Wow.
0: Yeah, I knew about the show. I I didn't realize that that was based on a a fake trailer.
1: Yeah. And it's hilarious that like the idea of the fake trailer is like, isn't it dumb to make The Fresh Prince of (laughs) Bel-Air into a serious drama? And then they just did it for real and hired the same guy to do it.
0: That's bizarre. Yeah, I remember there was actually a really good uh, Mortal Kombat fake trailer um, years ago. And uh, Mortal Kombat fans have wanted that person to get to make a movie like forever. And it just never kind of shook out that way.
1: But that is that uh, what is that guy's name? Adi or Avi Shankar? Is that one of his things? I think you're right. I think that's the name. Yeah, because he's done a bunch of those. He did a Power Rangers one. Right. And he's really Mm -hmm. into the like serious And he's gotten to produce like real, maybe not versions of his trailers, but I feel like real, like gritty versions of of old properties or something like that. So I guess that's a thing. There's all kinds of weird stuff
0: going on. (laughs) Uh, I will go with, uh, so I I just rewatched this. We were talking about this before we uh, recorded, but... um, We were recently talking about Shakes the Clown and I rediscovered uh, Julie Brown and totally had forgotten that this existed, but Medusa Dare to be Truthful, the uh, Madonna parody of uh, Truth or Dare, which... I loved back in 1992. I taped it off of Showtime, and I must have watched it like 20, 30 times, and I completely forgot it even existed. I just finally rewatched it yesterday, and I thought it was still great. It's still really funny. Um, both that and this make Madonna into this like kind of awful person, <laughs> and then I, I find that kind of weird. I don't, I don't know why she becomes the butt of every joke, but I guess it just has to go with her personality and just expanding that to the worst. Possible ends, but um, yeah, it's a weird choice that uh, they did that here. I, I read an interview that Weird Al did not you know get any kind of permission for that or anything like that. It's just hey, Madonna's this big star of the same time period, let's just throw her in here as a villain. I don't know, but that that uh, Showtime special is really funny and I I recommend that.
1: And Julie Brown, of course, was like a good. Friend of Weird Al's, I think, was yeah. like part of that whole same comedy scene that that he came out of, along with like Emo Phillips and uh, Cassandra Peterson, who does the Elvira character and Paul right. Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. All of those people came out of that sort of same L.A. scene, I think. So I'm sort of almost surprised that there wasn't a Julie Brown cameo in this movie. I know. Well, she's where, what does she
0: do lately? I guess she's in some TV stuff, but you just never really hear her name anymore.
1: Yeah, I think she does voice work. Maybe we talked about this on Awesome Movie Year when we did that Shakes the Clown episode. But yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a shame, I guess, maybe. Or I would have been happy to see her. So, yeah, and that's funny about the the Madonna thing because you know, of course, one thing that Weird Al's really known for is like seeking permission to do all his parodies. And in the rare occasion where someone doesn't want him to, he won't do it. Yeah, and so I was wondering that same thing. Like, would he have gone to her and said, "Hey"? We're going to make you like a major character in this film as this villain. Like, what do you think of it? And because I think one of the sort of real seeds of this is that in reality, Madonna did ask him to parody like a virgin, I believe. Yeah. 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 I read that too. Yeah. She's, you know, open to that whole thing. You know, so hopefully she took it in the right way if she (laughs) uh, has seen it. And, you know, I was thinking of this. I don't think we can use a movie that hasn't been made yet as a puzzle piece. Mm -hmm. But Madonna, of course, is making her own biopic of herself that she herself is directing, which I feel like is kind of a similar thing to this.
0: Well, we will have to remember to use weird as a puzzle piece when that movie comes out. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes, indeed. (laughs) What do you got for your next one? Well, I was waiting to to say this because I know this is like your favorite movie and I was wondering if it was going to come up and it's not The Evil Dead mm. <laughs> it is adaptation
0: oh yeah sure the
1: the Charlie Kaufman <laughs> Spike Jones film um, which I feel like is is a lot here is the idea of like making a movie based on a true story and then kind of reflecting on the difficulty and the aspects of how to make a movie based on a true story and adding in all sorts of fictional elements to it. So uh, I mean, this is less like self-reflexive than that, but there are certainly a lot of meta aspects to this movie and just the, the awareness surrounding it. And I think, you know, Charlie Kaufman is someone that I don't know if Weird Al has interacted with, but they seem to have like, they would have intersecting sensibilities in a lot of ways. And, and Spike Jones, Spike Jones has to be somebody that, that Weird Al, I mean, they, they definitely would be, working in like the same circle. So I would be surprised if they haven't crossed paths or, or worked together in some capacity. But um, yeah, I mean, this movie could have gone even more in, in that realm. I could have imagined, you know, Weird Al, the actual Weird Al, like stepping in at some point or stopping the scene where he plays the record executive and speaking to the audience or something like that. And they, they don't, they play it straight. But but certainly I, I thought of that, uh, yeah. which I know you love that movie. the best and uh by the way charlie kaufman i'm pretty sure
0: his first writing gig was on julie brown's the edge the uh there you go the, the series so there there's a lot of uh you know minds colliding there some uh all these amazing people in comedy so yeah absolutely yes um i will go with this is just a little one but i wanted to throw it in there um the roommates that weird al moves out of his parents house and to live with and ends up becoming his bandmates that he's been with all these years uh reminded me a lot of zoolander's roommates um just these kind of like dumbasses who are like kind of just living free just goofballs just living the party and just chill and uh so I, I thought of like that whole relationship that Zoolander has with his, uh, his his model buddies that that he hangs out with, and it reminded me of Weird Al and uh, and his bandmates, who then of course clash. So they have to clash.
1: Right, that is of course the idea. But you know, and I do love that they start right; they're just his roommates, and then at his first gig, they suddenly pick up all the instruments and perfectly yeah. become his band, and it's like, oh, it didn't seem relevant before, but now we will. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, we
0: we all can completely pick up instruments and we're all really, really a solid little band.
1: So, right. But, and of yeah. course, in reality, Weird Al, you know, he's like, uh, unlike other bands where they're famous as a band, you know, he's had the same backing band members for like 40 years. You know, they never, yeah. nobody, nobody quits. Nobody goes off and does other things. And, you know, he's a solo artist. I'm sure people, most fans wouldn't notice if he had different backing band members, but he sticks with those guys. It's gotta be a testament to his uh personality. He's gotta be a nice guy. Oh, of course. And that's that's what you always hear about from from him. You know, there's yeah. never you know, there's a line in this movie about like, what famous artist doesn't have, you know, self-destructive, reckless behavior and addictions and whatever? And of course it's like, well, weird Al is the one who doesn't have that.
0: It really it really uh it really goes to like, you know how much he loves to tarnish himself, like in this fake version of his own story, like and to make himself into such an asshole. Cause yes. it's just, you know, I think all nice guys love to be made into assholes and, and <laughs> fake stories. You know, it's just so ridiculous and funny. I mean, I know that's my thing for sure. Jewish Dave, but right, it's you know. <laughs> yes. all the murder. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, what do you got for your next piece?
1: Well, I don't know if I should name more music biopic parodies, but um why not? We might as well just get sure. them all out there. Um, the more, the more recent one that is another thing that I feel that it was like a failure when it came out, but has become this really beloved cult thing is pop star never Stop never stopping Mm -hmm. from the Lonely Island who of course appear in this film and the Lonely Island themselves, much like Tenacious D are working like 100% in the tradition of Weird Al when they make their songs, they don't do parodies per se, but they certainly do these comedy songs in the style of different you know, popular music genres. And they've done very, very well for themselves with that. And they've made other parody, uh, kind of true life story parodies, their sports ones that they've worked yeah. on, which um, I haven't seen the Bash Brothers. I know that gets like a lot of uh, cult acclaim, their movie about the uh, baseball players and Seven Days in Hell, the tennis one. But of course, Popstar is the one that's most relevant here. And that's parodying a more modern style of pop star. Justin Bieber is the most obvious one that they're making fun of in that movie. But, you know, I, it has a similar goofy sensibility. I think more so than like Spinal Tap, which is a little drier maybe in its humor. Pop star is just full on Weird Al style humor. And um, again, if Weird Al hasn't actually like directly appeared in one of their projects or directed one of their music videos or whatever, I'm sure they've collaborated. I mean, they are in this movie, uh, or at least Jorma Taccone is, I'm, I don't know if I didn't spot Andy Samberg. Um, yeah,
0: Andy Samberg. No, but, uh, the shift Schaefer is that, um, yeah, Akiva Schaefer. Akiva Schaefer. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him, but I did not see Samberg, but yeah, I, if, if this movie hadn't come together from this director, Eric Apple, um, I, I feel like they would have been the guys to make this happen at some point. yes yeah they really do share that same sensibility um i'll go with my final piece uh well actually i guess i have two more pieces so but one, one of them's not really a puzzle piece per se but my my final real piece would be uh all of these tarantino movies that rewrite history you know once upon a time in hollywood and glorious bastards uh reshaping history for the sake of a story for, for making something a little bit more interesting and cinematic and fun and, uh, exciting, you know? And so, uh, of course that's what Weird Al does here with his own biopic and taking seeds of some of the things that were real in, uh, his own story, but then, uh, just saying, screw it. I'm going to make it as exciting as possible.
1: Yeah. Of course those Tarantino movies are rewriting history for the sake of making things better right yeah. for the sake of averting tragedies <laughs> but yeah. that's the opposite of what happens here yeah yeah basically things get pretty dark by
0: the end yeah
1: yes yes they do yeah so uh yeah and speaking of that all the last music biopic parody that I will name is a uh, hardcore logo from uh Bruce McDonald who's a court, sort of a cult Canadian uh director and this is another mockumentary is about a sort of lesser known-ish punk band that called Hardcore Logo that reunites for uh, a tour and all the clashes between them. And it's sort of, it's, it's a comedy, but it's got a lot of really dark elements to it. And much like this movie ends in this really sort of out of nowhere act of violence. And it's... I'm not a huge fan. This is a movie that has a big cult following that I I watched because I was curious about that. And it's, it's often cited as sort of like the flip side to spinal tap. It's, it's from much later. It's from 1996, I think, but it, it definitely has that weird mix of like goofy making fun of like washed up musicians trying to reclaim their glory or whatever. And then like mm-hmm. real like, Dark stuff about like drug addiction and suicidal thoughts and uh, mental illness and all this stuff. I don't know. It doesn't necessarily work, although a lot of people really love it. But that's one of the less obvious, I think, examples. But I'm I'm sure that that the filmmakers, that that Eric Apple and and Weird Al himself, would be familiar with that movie. Yeah, I've never seen that. I, I sounds like something I should check out for sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know that it's like I said. I I was a bit disappointed. I feel like it tries to do clashing things that don't come together necessarily but it's Mm. it's it's worth checking out all right well
0: my final piece then will be uh kind of just later era kevin smith in general um you know how much i really disliked clerks three um and also jane's silent bob reboot was not very good either but i feel like this does a much better job of kind of doing what he's trying to do there which is just playing to the fans and kind of like giving them repeats of a lot of the the things that we already love about these characters. And we already love these Weird Al songs. So why not just show him performing them again? You know, it's like it's kind of uh, it, I don't want to call it lazy because then it takes things in such weird different directions, which makes this movie more fun and and definitely gives it a leg up on anything that Smith has been doing lately but I do feel like it kind of comes from that same place of just playing to the fans you know
1: yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you on really not caring for what Kevin Smith has, has done lately. And I feel like this is a movie that, yeah, you're right, it does play to the fans. And if you're familiar with, especially because of the way this movie is structured, where it basically ends Weird Al's career, like in the very early part of his career, yeah. um, uh, other than taking one song, the Amish Paradise song from later in his career and like moving it but otherwise, these are all really early Weird Al songs that you hear. Yeah. Like multiple songs off his first album that I feel like not that many people are familiar with. So, yeah. you know, in that sense, yes, it's it's playing to the fans. But I feel like this is something that has a broader appeal already that, yeah. you know, people are checking out and that you could watch without being familiar with Weird Al and find amusing. And I feel like those Kevin Smith movies, like if you are not already like full on in the tank for Kevin Smith, you would just like wonder what the hell even is this yeah, movie. Exactly. And that's the problem with those <laughs> movies for sure. Um, but by the way, to that
0: point of of the Amish paradise, um, one of my biggest laughs of the movie is it feels like you're about to get the you know, fake origin story of fat. And yes, yeah, no, we're, we're just not paying attention to that though. We're about to show him Amish paradise instead.
1: Right, and that's obviously another one of those parodies of that big inspiration moment. Like, and cause he has it with My Bologna yeah. and you're like, oh, he's gonna have this again. And they bother to put Julianne Nicholson in that very fake looking fat suit, which honestly, like, I don't know if it's on purpose but it, it looked to me almost like the fat suit that Weird Al wears, like be, when he yeah. does fat in concert and that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm sure it's not, but it has a similar look to it. I feel like yeah. where it's, yeah. it's so obviously fake. Yeah. There's some
0: really good bits like that in here. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: I I'm, I'm, glad that
0: there's at least a lot of really good stuff like that. But uh, do you have any more pieces you wanted to bring up?
1: Well, I, I will name one other thing um, that, that's sort of obscure, but that this might've been like one of the first things that I thought of actually, and it's a book. So I know you don't read books, but never. never ever. Um, <laughs> I feel like that if you did read books, this mm-hmm. is a book that you would read. It is a book called The Naked Truth that was by, but not really, by Leslie Nielsen. And Mm -hmm. this came out at the height of Leslie Nielsen's fame as the star of various spoofs. I think I own this book, but have never read it. Of course, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because of course it wasn't, you know, it's not really, it's basically a fake like celebrity memoir was the idea here. And that, you know, I'm sure Leslie Nielsen did not write this book, perhaps did not even read the book, but lent his name and his likeness to it. And I don't, I don't own this book anymore. I did at the time and I'm actually a little disappointed because I'm sure I I got rid of it at one time when I was trying to, you know, clean out old books that I would never read again or whatever. Yeah. And I don't remember if it was good, and my guess would be that it was not, but yeah. <laughs> it is certainly that kind of thing. It was it was a parody of, you know, something that was certainly popular at the time and and continues to be popular now, which is this celebrity memoir and the juicy tell all kind of thing, and I think it It had Leslie Nielsen being involved in all sorts of celebrity scandals and historical events and whatnot that, of course, he was not actually involved in. So I certainly ate this up when I was, you know, 14 or whatever, when this this came out right again in the midst of the Naked Gun movies and uh, Spy Hard and all of this parody stuff that Leslie Nielsen was doing. Dracula Dead and Loving It, which I know you are a big fan of. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it's I was looking it up and uh, you should hold on to your copy because it seems to be out of print and it might actually be valuable in some way now. Oh, wow. That's
0: amazing. And uh, Weird Al, of course, in uh, The Naked Gun, maybe more than one of them. Didn't he do the theme song for
1: Spy Hard or one of those uh, as well? He
0: did do the theme song for Spy Hard. And yeah, and he's in all three Naked Gun movies. Wow. All right. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So another connection. I'm sure if Leslie Nielsen were alive, he would have been in this movie.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. God, he was the best. <laughs> yeah, that does it. Um, do you have any closing thoughts? Anything we didn't quite get to while going through puzzle pieces here?
1: I mean, I think we covered a lot of it. Like I said, my my you know a level of disappointment with this movie because of my long, long, long time fandom for Weird Al and my love for almost all of what he's done. And I think the thing too about this is it's not like, oh, I love all these Weird Al songs from 25 years ago and that's it. Like I do, but Mm. I feel like he's someone who's created some great work more recently. Some of my favorite Weird Al songs are from his later album. So I feel like he has the capacity to still do something fresh and funny. And this is, it's fun, it's silly, it's weird or whatever, but it's not weird enough. And it's basically what you would expect if you watch that sketch. And you imagine what it would be like if it was a movie. This is what it is. And it's fun. I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad people are enjoying it. But I was hoping that it would really stick with me in a way that other Weird Al things have stuck with me
0: yeah and i i'm i'm in the exact same boat with you there like that's exactly kind of how i'm feeling about it Uh, i feel like maybe if it had been made a little earlier maybe 10 years ago or something like it could have been a little more vital but i mean as it stands like i said at the top of the conversation could have been a lot worse and it still uh still made me laugh plenty there's there's a lot of good jokes uh i'm john deacon of queen i play bass and queen like that right. <laughs> That made me laugh there, there, there's just a lot of good uh, jokes in here and so at least it was a funny biopic and that's what we'd hope for at the at the very least you know so uh yeah um i think that does it for weird is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners
1: yeah i will go to a movie that is very very different from this <laughs> but one that i feel like is is sort of under the radar Uh, actually, that I happened to watch. It is a horror movie on Hulu called Matriarch. And this is a movie that I feel like Hulu just kind of threw out there. They had a couple horror movies in October that they put out that seemingly were capitalizing on that season, but they didn't bother really pushing in any way. Um, But this was actually quite a good movie. It combines, it starts out as this sort of modern horror movie kind of thing where it's slow and it's about trauma. The main character who is a a drug addict and has dealing with her abusive childhood and decides to return to her home and, and see her mother for the first time in 20 years and kind of confront that after she's had this drug overdose. And Kate Dickey, who is great in so many different horror movies, plays the mother and just has this presence where immediately, even if she doesn't do anything, you're like, oh, she's fucked up. Like (laughs) just the way that she comes across on screen. And so it starts out like that and it's good. It's interesting like that, but then it goes into it. it, When she goes to the hometown, it has a lot of this like folk horror kind of wicker man stuff going on with it. And then not to spoil it, but when you find out sort of the origins of, of the evil of her mother and everything, it goes into this crazy gross out body horror stuff that is sort of Lovecraftian and a bit of Cronenberg and a bit of like society. And so it, it, it's sort of a grab bag of horror styles, but I feel like it all hangs together well. And it was something that I thought, oh, this is just going to be a waste. Like Hulu clearly thinks this was not up to their standards or whatever. Mm. And it's, it's quite good. I feel like if it had gotten a push from Shudder or something like that, it would have been talked about more. So I hope people check it out. It's right there on Hulu. It's called Matriarch.
0: Right on. Yeah, it sounds good. And uh, I might have to check it out. We're recording this one day before Halloween. I got one <laughs> day left to watch a Halloween movie and then uh, on to more movies. Yeah, always <laughs> more just movies. just never stop. Yeah, yes. never stop. Josh, what's going on on Awesome Movie Year?
1: Well, I believe when this comes out, we will be right about to start our new season, which is mm-hmm. on the films of 1953 which I'm very excited about. Uh, Of course, we've covered a range of years, decades across film history, but I'm always eager to look back further and really delve into older film history. So I think it'll be really interesting for us to talk about films from 1953. We've got some major films and major directors to talk about and some lesser known things as well. So uh, yeah, tune in to Awesome Movie Year wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out at awesomemovieyear.com. At uh, Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram, and Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. Hey, speaking of 1953,
0: guess what year Weird Al was born?
1: 1953? Nope, 1959. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Oh, that was a very Weird <laughs> Al joke there. Good job. <laughs> Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984. And we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Thank you to Josh Bell for joining me on that one, and thank you to you for listening to that one. If you enjoy what we do here on Piecing It Together, make sure you are subscribed wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, and we'd appreciate your five-star ratings and reviews over on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods or wherever it is that you're listening. Five stars would be awesome. Also, if you thought of any puzzle pieces that we didn't bring up, definitely get in touch. I'd love to hear them, and I will read them on the next trailer episode love to hear from you. Do that. And you could also get in touch on uh, social media at PiecingPod and in our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Last but not least, I would like to let you know about our Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, from Josh's podcast, Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there. There's a bunch of advanced Piecing It Together episodes at the time I'm recording this. Uh, Those will eventually make their way out to the main feed, but for now, you can listen to them exclusively on the Patreon, and also previews of my upcoming album, and all kinds of great stuff. So check it out, patreon.com slash bydavidrosen. Now, to close out this episode, uh, you know, the obvious choice is for me to play something from my vast library of comedy rap music that I've made over the years, uh... The thing is, um, Weird Al's always clean, and so I don't want to play any of my regular comedy rap stuff because it's all so damn dirty. But, you know, if you really want to hear it, you can find it. It's out there. Uh, I'm never going to take it down, even though it's all awful. But um, I'm going to play a piece of funny rap music that I made for a company uh, probably like 10 years ago or something like that, an online storage company. And, uh, this is like this nerdy, dorky computer tech support song called Ram in the Boot Sector. It's for this company called Storage Pipe. And, uh, yeah, this was like made for like a viral video thing that they did and actually did go pretty viral. It went pretty big up on YouTube and stuff like that. So, uh, you can find it out there. I never released it as like a single or anything like that because it was just for the project. But, um, hope you enjoy it. And uh, we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
2: This song goes out to all my digital gangsters who work in IT every day Saving noobs from their own mistakes in silly, foolish ways Getting blamed for every ignored warning and obvious user error There's only ten kinds of people in this world Those who get binary and those who don't I hope you're down with the upload Cause when it comes to backup me and all my gigas roll deep on the RJ45 While you're staying late at work Switching back up tapes We be crimping the storage pipe Your passwords taped to your keyboard But you still make us turn around You call support because Antivirus won't let you Coming straight out of Comptown And remember reboot, reload and jiggle the Y, 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 Reboot, reload
1: and jiggle the Y, Reboot, and jiggle the Y.